Hello and welcome to Doctor Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And my mom gave me COVID because of course it wasn't just allergies. So that's why we've been gone. For so <laughs> long. And this week we are covering something I completely stumbled on. The parachute murder plot. So at first I thought this was the well-known parachute murder that happened in Belgium. Remember it was that love triangle where I think it was a woman that sabotage the yeah but no this one this has apparently happened more than once which seems like such a like risky way to try and off someone yeah but also i just think of like that one video where like the two parachuters like run into oh, the each one other. i ruined oh, for you yeah like that man lost his legs <laughs> And, and killed someone. And they're like, well, obviously something happened to Jose. He's not here in the interview. <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah, just no. And I was like, oh, off. God, he died. <laughs> just, just. <sighs> well, I also kept thinking about King of the Hill. Did you ever watch that show? I've seen, like, a lot of episodes, but I don't think I've seen one about parachuting, so. Yes. Peggy jumps well, out really? and parachute messes up and she lands. And it was a two-parter episode, but the end of the first one, they were it was her just flying through the air and uh, free-falling by Tom Petty playing. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fitting. Because the way she slams into the ground is basically what happened to this woman. Oof. So we... Basically my worst nightmare. <laughs> we watched this on Discovery Plus, so I'm not sure if it was on one of their channels or not. It was... Probably so. It's definitely... It's very British. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad I found it because I felt it was way funnier than... It was meant to meant be? To, yeah. To be. Oh, yes. absolutely. Because clearly it's terrible what happened to this woman. But the perpetrator is possibly one of the dumbest... Criminals in yes. the history of the world. Yes. Like, quite honestly. Just... <laughs> just so cocky and the we'll get to that (laughs) the paper trails (laughs) and i also got some other information from a guardian article titled he has the traits of a psychopath the inside story of the parachute murder plot so let's just get into it we start off easter sunday april 5th 2015 mother of two victoria sealers or vicky every article says vicky but in here they specifically say victoria yeah. Don't want to humanize her, I guess. She's taken her 2,655th parachute jump. Which is just mind-blowing because, like... How do you have the time? Especially as a mother of two, but also, like, that shit costs money, okay? That's what I thought. Like, every jump costs money. <laughs> you gotta take a whole goddamn plane up. Yeah. Well, don't you also have to have training? Yeah. Like, just to initially start? Yeah. And... Like, I know someone who's who's done it, and, like, you have to pay for every time you go up. <laughs> so, yeah. Not, some, not, not really a hobby that I would have as a mother of two. So she takes her jump, and both of her chutes fail to deploy properly, and she falls like a rag doll 4,000 feet or 1,200 meters, at 60 miles per hour, smashing into a newly plowed field. Which apparently is very lucky for her mm-hmm. because that it helps basically the saved her life. Yeah. Because you expect her to be dead. Mm-hmm. Like, 
but that's what happened to Peggy too. She fell on that soft ground. So everyone is so sure. Factory. <laughs> everyone is so sure she's dead that they bring a body bag over, but she is surprisingly still alive. Not in great condition though. No, there was a lot of fucking broken. Yeah, bones. she's got broken pelvis and ribs. She fractured her spine in four places and has a collapsed lung, but she's still alive. It's amazing. She is a miracle. Yes. So it's a terrible ending to a day that was supposed to be this terrific gift from her husband, Emil. This was her... Okay, here's what I have a problem with. It's her first jump in over a year because she had just given birth five weeks earlier to her second child. Which I don't... I don't think my doctor even cleared me to have sex you before have six sex weeks. Until like six weeks. But there, but she's yeah. jumping out of a plane? Yeah. Like, I feel like my OBGYN would have been like... Uh, we're not okay with like you sticking anything inside your vagina, but like, sure, go this ahead and jump out of an airplane and get not, jostled. Clearly not a C-section because there's no way. Like, I was still having blood and shit coming out of me <laughs> at six weeks. Or yeah, like I just I. It seems so soon. Yeah. But I mean, good it's for her. Second, it's a second child. You know, you're in and out at that point. God, my second one I feel like was more of a recovery <laughs> because I had the other one to take care of. Ah, the second one, I was in my 30s. So yeah, it was much harder. Oof, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So total badass that she's just jumping out of a plane after five weeks. Uh, so a fellow parachutist, James Rankin, jumped with Vicky that day and went before her. So he deployed a chute with no problems, and he can just look up and see her jumping out. And then he's she, like, oh, yeah. shit. He sees her jump, pull her chute. There's a malfunction, so she cuts away the chute and then pulls the reserve, which also malfunctions. Which, what are the chances? I'll, I, I'll get into that. Uh, she ends up in such a fast spin hurling towards earth that her legs almost lift up the same height as her head i would not be surprised if she didn't like pass out and yeah she even talks about later on she's not sure if she knows she blacked out she's not sure if it's from the force of falling or actually hitting the ground when she blacked out let's hope it was the force of falling yeah so james is like that has to be terrifying to see this woman flying by. Yeah, like and not being hurling past anything. you, yeah. and you're just like, oh, he's watching shit. her struggle to gain control, and then she just flies right by him. So yeah, that's and it's traumatizing to the point that this is the first time he's talking about his experience. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's not something that you want to see because I imagine they've gone on a lot of jumps together and. Yeah formed a relationship because yeah, i don't know how many people there could possibly be there in this little gang yeah. jumping out of airplanes together yeah yeah it's, it's a tight-knit group I'm i've sure. only met one person who has done it so <laughs> it's it's a it's a tight-knit group so first off how common are parachuting accidents obviously they happen to but to what extent with both shoots failing the british parachute association or the bpa is the sport's national governing body estimates there are there were 2.3 million sports jumps in the 10 years before Easter 2015 of those there were 2900 cases where the reserve parachute had to be deployed and not a single accident where there was a problem with the re reserve so basically it 
doesn't fucking happen. According to the BPA, the only known instance of both a main and reserve failing to operate was in the case of Stephen Hilder. His case is also weird. It was ruled a suicide, and his friends and family obviously questioned that and believe he was murdered. So if you're going to commit suicide, though, like, why bother even try to pull any of the parachutes? Yeah, that just jump out of the weird. plane yeah. and just let it happen. But his case will be brought up later as to what might have happened to her. Do-do-do. So at first, it's just assumed to be a weird, crazy accident until the company running the jump is checking out her parachutes and notices a couple of things wrong and decides to just be on the safe side and inform the Wiltshire police. So literally, if one guy named Mark Bayada hadn't called the cops, this nothing would have, just would have been come a of freak it. Freak yeah, accident. Just until the next thing. Yeah. And apparently, the parachute club recorded their inspection of the parachutes to give to the police. I thought that was weird. Yeah. The police send the parachutes off to be inspected with the BPA, and they have no leads until five days later when a close friend of Vicky's calls DC Maddie Henna who I guess is the lead investigator. And this friend has some interesting news. Vicky wasn't in a great marriage. You don't say. <laughs> so, great friend. Must have watched a lot of Dayline. Her friend is almost killed in a freak accident, and her husband is scumbag, so it must be attempted murder. Better call the cops. I would do the same. <laughs> we get into the couple's life stories a little bit. Emil Sillers is south african born and joins the british army in 2004 and in 2010 he meets vicky who is working in the army as a physiotherapist they both shared a passion for skydiving and their relationship blossomed so quickly they they got married in 2011 that's very sudden i know you shouldn't judge relationships but that's pretty quick that is it is it is hard to know for sure that you don't hate someone in that amount of time. So yeah. I just, I mean, I've like 10 years with my husband and I still have moments where I'm just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like you got to live with somebody for a while before. Yeah, you need to like listen to them chew mm-hmm. a lot. Just like sleeping and just like. When they're sick and, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of stuff to get through. If they at least rinse a dish off before they set it in the sink. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't start anything right now, Heather. <laughs> so four weeks after the jump, Vicky is still trying to recover from her injuries when the results of the BPA report come in and they find no mechanical reason for the parachutes failing. So it's either been tampered by Vicky herself. Which, why the fuck? <laughs> or a third party. So, obviously, a criminal investigation is officially open. The cops talk about how, with the main parachute, the lines were wrapped around the chute so it couldn't fully open. I guess they're supposed to be, like, neatly tucked under the folded parachute. I do they not. Really... Is it, like, folding a fitted sheet? Kind of, like... And then know. having the lines under it? Yeah. Instead, it was just they had it and just wrapped it around it. So, of course, it's not going to be able to open. Yeah, it's going to get all knotted and shit. Yeah. They don't really explain it that well. They just quickly mention that part. I don't... I've never jumped out of an airplane. Reserve shoot, I didn't understand at all. I don't know. There's technical parts, apparently. Can you get a backup to your backup? That's all I want to (laughs) know. I just... 
I understood that parts on the reserve parachute were missing that were supposed to be there. And there weren't, like, rip marks or burn marks, evidence of it just naturally occurring. It was obvious to them that it was, like, cut or taken something. Yeah, it just it's very suspicious. Just parts that were supposed to be there were gone. Regardless, the parachutes need to be inspected before every jump, and this gear just happened to be given the all-clear by Vicky's husband, Emil. Which, again, worst criminal ever. So DC Henna brings in Emil for questioning, because clearly this dude done fucked up. <laughs> and he's so fucking weird and suspicious. <laughs> he's the worst. He doesn't want to talk at first, because he's upset they arrested him in front of his subordinates. Which, oh, boo-hoo. They're not going to respect him, Heather. It's a big deal. The police believe someone tried to murder your wife, and that's what you're upset about. Uh, the first interview lasts about six hours, and once he starts to open up, it's very clear this dude is a total douche. He's asked about his relationship with his wife, and his response is, It's not a marriage that I would want to be in anymore. I can't see myself being in the marriage in 10, 15 years' time. Which is not something to say when your wife almost died jumping out of an airplane. And you're suspected. <laughs> like, like, it's so stupid. That's a moment where you're just like, I love my wife, and I'm so glad she survived, and I can't believe this happened. Oh my god. Well, first off, maybe don't marry someone after a year. And second, you're being questioned by police over the attempted murder of your wife. Just shut up. You're better off just asking for a lawyer. Like, that's... An- the wrong answer. Also, he's upset because they don't have sex more than twice a week. When she just had a baby. Five weeks ago. Literally five weeks ago, she pushed a fucking small human out of her vagina. And the other kid's not that much older, so she's a little busy. Like, maybe don't knock her up if you <laughs> want to bang. And then he just openly talks about cheating on his wife. Which, again, pretty suspicious. And I love that the other cop makes it very clear that no one even asked him about any of it. He just, <laughs> he just freely, freely shares that he's having affairs. Like, that's something you have to, like, dig for in yes. most cases. But he's just like, hey, I got this side chick. I've never... All the Dateline, any of those shows, I've never seen them just, like, freely give that. No. Without anybody asking. No. Like, they're just like, sir, we didn't ask you about that. Yeah. And that's when I first started laughing because it's fucking insane how he's just, like, so cavalier about, yeah, I don't want to be married to her and I'm cheating on her all the time. And it's just insane. And, you know, I, it's cool that she just had my baby five weeks ago, but, you know, and the cops I've been sticking had, in this other lady. They had no case. Until he just, like, he might as well have said, yeah, I did arrest me. I don't think he's ever heard of a divorce. I don't think, I I just don't know if he thinks he's bulletproof or if he's just really this cocky and stupid. I think he's just that stupid. He just, yeah, doesn't protest his innocence, just gives him more and more evidence and an obvious motive. Yeah, he's just like, I don't want to be married to her. I've been fucking these other people. Yeah, I did it. Well, he doesn't even say he did it, and there's no straight-up physical evidence, so he's given bail, but he's obviously not allowed to return to his home with Vicky and their kids, because no shit. And he's she's just, like, freaking out, because she's like, she doesn't believe that he's trying to kill her. 
Well, and it and sucks. she's, she's also, got a five-week-old. She's also stuck in a body brace. Like, yeah, she got can't a, do anything. She's got, she's got a brand new baby, and she's, like, completely immobilized, laid up, like, fucking just her whole body's busted. And you know how it is after you have a kid. Like, there's a couple months where you're just, your hormones are insane. and Oh, God, I used to sweat like a pig. <laughs> just fucking, just like, cry over everything. Oh, and, yeah. Just, like, God, it's it's the fucking worst. I don't recommend it. But, <laughs> I mean, they're cute. Don't get me wrong. But at what cost? <laughs> so, yeah, she's stuck in a body brace with two very small children. Her husband isn't around to help. So yeah, she has but, to have her parents like, come down to help. And Vicky doesn't believe. Yeah, she doesn't believe Emil is any danger to herself. She truly believes he's innocent. And so she doesn't really want to cooperate. Yeah, she's just like, I oh, know, we're totally happy and in love, and it's like, no big deal, it was an accident, and yeah, just like, so let him come back. The cops kind of have to tell her the truth, so they pop by to tell her about the cheating, that he has a serious girlfriend, he has no intention of staying in the marriage, and he's denying being the father of the youngest child. Which is <laughs> just like... Fucking asshole. <laughs> so she snaps out of it long enough to drop a bombshell. There was a gas leak in the house six days before her fall. Emil had been away at the barracks, and she woke up in the morning and smelled gas. She texted him about it, and his response is, That's weird. Is the stove working? Emil's right. That is weird. (laughs) I once had a strange smell in my house while my husband was working nights and he was obviously gone and could not you know rush back home and I was like oh there's like a really weird like burny smell in my home and blah 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 and I'm freaking out and his recommendation was that I should call the fire department to come to my house and check it out and if not I should just take my children and get in the car and leave for a little (laughs) while until he could come home maybe open a window yeah he wasn't just like, oh, that's weird. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> no, he was like, get out of the house. So she checks the pipe, find it's been tampered with, and there's blood. Also, I want to mention she's home with the kids. Yeah, which is another thing. Like, he was totally okay with just yeah. murdering his children. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to try to kill your spouse, but just having no problem with the kids dying is... And it's not... And they're like... Small children, like a a brand new baby. But again, I had to laugh because this guy seriously tried to kill his wife twice in less than a week. Yeah, you gotta fucking wait that (laughs) shit out. Like, you don't do it so soon. Like, you need like a buffer period where you're like a happy, loving husband. (laughs) So the cops take the pipes and send those off for inspection. Uh, This case might have gone a little faster, except it's being worked by three officers basically because she didn't die so it's not a high priority case yeah she she didn't die and so it's just kind of put Which on the back doesn't really make they're working sense yeah they're like shouldn't you be trying to prevent a murder <sighs> they don't have the manpower for that okay heather like just you know this is just like i just felt like that'd be less paperwork in their off hours to not have an actual murder victim but um i'm just a dumb stay-at-home mom i don't know and for these three officers, this case isn't even their top priority. No, they're just, like, doing it in between all their other day-to-day shit. <laughs> it's so insane. 
But they do look into Emil's past, and it's just more notches on the scorecard of this dude being a total piece of shit. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Nicoline Shepard grew up with Emil in Ermelo, a small town east of Johannesburg, and was his on-again, off-again girlfriend for like 10 years. Which is a long relationship. They started going out when she was 13, and he was either 16 or 17. Which, ew. Yeah, gross. Just... The documentary said 16. The Guardian article said 17. Either way, fucking gross. Yeah, just like at that point, it's just, I mean, like, like if it's they were not here, as huge. She would be in middle school and he'd be like a sophomore, junior. Like He'd it's, be almost done with high school. It's gross. It's just, it's not, like you don't think, like when you're like 30 and 33 it's not a big deal because it's like oh what's like three or four years like it's not a huge age gap but when you're like a teenager and you're like like she literally just became a teenager (laughs) that's like a huge fucking gap okay it's like it's like a whole other world of gap like just ew yeah so she said he worked for his father's construction company and basically was never told no growing up which might explain some of the behavior yeah i can see it when nicoline was 16 in 2000 she gave birth to their daughter and became pregnant six months later with their son Oof, that's sudden <sighs> while she was pregnant with the son emil left south africa to look for work in england and promised to come back but instead he met another woman and joined the army yeah he basically just like left her with their two children and was just like hey i'm not coming back sorry bye you say that but he didn't tell her he had his mom tell her (laughs) could you imagine being his mother like that's worse than just like texting her you can't text message breakup message back then though either um yeah what a piece of shit they interview his eldest daughter, who's fucking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And they also show home movies of her and her dad, and holy shit, the size of that Teletubby cake. Did you <laughs> notice it? It was bigger than her. I think it was like her first birthday, second birthday. The thing was huge. I did not go that overboard for her first birthday, but... I just had a pause, and I was like, oh my god, that's the cake. Like, you know how big, like, a one-year-old is. The cake was bigger. It was a huge party, Heather. <laughs> they had a lot of people to feed. But the tapes are interesting because you see him being this great dad and he loves his kid, but just has no problem abandoning him. Yeah, he literally just, like, leaves like he gets and bored doesn't and come on. back. And he doesn't even tell her. No. <laughs> just like, he spent ten fucking years with her and had two kids. And he just, like, leaves and... Doesn't say anything. 10 years because we'll get into it later, but they end up meeting again and just like pick up the relationship. Which, shame on her. Like, fool me once. Like, shame on me. Yeah, fool me twice. People like that are just so charismatic. And I mean, he does it to several women. So he marries this new woman, Carly, and has two children with her. I didn't find that much information about this relationship, probably because she didn't want to be interviewed. Nicoline moves to the UK in 2004 and had no intention of contacting Emil until her daughter started asking about her dad in 2006. So Nicoline meets up with him and they begin a relationship again. 
And he tells her he only married Carly because his visa was running out and he was in the middle of divorcing her. Until he leaves his phone at Nicolene's one day and Carly calls and Nicolene answers. Oh, shit. So, after talking, the two women decide to both leave him. And then he eventually meets Vicky. So he's just done with one release. Okay, I got caught. I'll move on. No problem. Which is mind-blowing because, like, I couldn't imagine being with a man who had that many children with other women and, like, wasn't a part of their lives on a day-to-day. I don't think he's telling any of these. But, like, for fuck's sake, you can't look into that shit? Like, you gotta get it together. Like, you you gotta be doing background checks on these people. Like, you cannot be, like... You gotta, you, you just can't. You just can't. I know, I know. All right, so Nicolene still doesn't completely stay away, which I can kind of understand. She's got kids with them. He was the first guy she was physical with. Like, She's sad. as a teenager, like, you always, it's hard to get over that first love, especially if you had kids with them. And he's so yeah, good. Fuck so good at twisting women around his finger, so. Yeah, which is amazing because he's not even that he's good looking, not. like it's at so all. Weird. He's like a little short, bald man. But he's good at love bombing these women, and it works on him. So when Vicky has her accident, he's also sleeping with his girlfriend, Nicoline, visiting a swing swingers club and messaging sex workers. Like I liked when she like pulls up and she's like, "So this is what a swingers." Oh, yeah. like, like I don't understand how he has the time. Fuck now. It is like, just, he's literally telling Vicky about how he can grab something at the store for her. And at the same time, he's messaging a sex worker for a meetup. Like, it's crazy. Like, have you ever, like, text the wrong person when you're, like, like, talking about someone else? Yeah. How did like, he not do this? Because, like, I've definitely done that where I'm talking about someone and I text the person I'm talking <laughs> about. And then I'm just like, fuck. Like how do you, like how did he not be like oh yeah the wife's away like yeah and then she's like but I'm the wife like what the hell he'd probably talk his way out of it the cops bring him in again for more questions and he is just the biggest fucking asshole he acts like this is just an inconvenience DC Henna says you went to get Victoria a parachute and Emil says yes tell me about the checks you did it's just standard checks as you should do as a parachutist. Okay, well, tell me what those standard checks are. I don't know. I don't parachute. And he just goes, I'm sure you could investigate and ask the right right questions to the right people in regards to checking the parachute. Okay, but I'm asking you, dumbass. Somebody tried to kill your wife. Why are you getting attitude? Because he doesn't want to be with her, Heather. Just act concerned. Just help a little. Try to throw them off of you. He's just not a very good killer. So they get some information about his current girlfriend he has on the side, who he apparently had the time to exchange 32,000 messages with. It's exhausting. Over five months. That's insane. (laughs) Stephanie Goller, who he had met five months before Vicky's accident, she was an Austrian skydiving instructor he met on Tinder while abroad on an army skiing trip. So while he's supposed to, like, be working, he's still... Fucking hooking up with bitches. Five months with this woman and he's ready to leave his wife for her. And they have two kids. Except during the interview, he's all sad and grumpy and moping under a blanket because Stephanie broke it off. 
doesn't care about his wife at all, but he's upset about this breakup. So he shows more emotion about that than his wife almost dying. Fucking psycho. But looking over its t his text messages, it's very clear that in January he was telling Stephanie he'd be able to enjoy a more open relationship with her after April. Which is... The month Vicky almost died very, twice. Yeah. Very convenient. Yeah, so clear evidence he had been planning on this for at least a few months. But he couldn't have been all that serious with Stephanie because during the time he is also constantly meeting with escorts and visiting your favorite part, seedy ah. sex clubs in Salisbury. So the investigator reporter for this documentary decides to visit a former swingers club. I'm not sure why they say formers because it's still clearly set up as a swingers club. So unless Maybe. it was closed down the previous week or something. Maybe he just likes to keep the decor in case people want to stop by. That guy was fun. I loved him. There's still pictures of naked women up and a glory hole wall, which I definitely question because why were the holes so close together? It's, it's not, a bonding experience, It is not whack-a-mole with your dick. <laughs> it they is, don't need to be that It close. is a bonding experience. It's for the closeness of the community. But I just love the glory holes have a sign that reads, Donkey Dick's Glory Hole Wall. Like, it's so absurd. <laughs> this whole place. <laughs> I like how she's just like, so you, you put your... Yeah, when he was like, you just stick your willy in the hole. It's a bit of fun. <laughs> you don't know what's on the other side. That's the idea. And he's like, like, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> just, the like, woman's questioning it because he goes, yeah, this is where Emil was. This was his favorite spot. And she's like, but you don't know who's on the other side. Oh, yeah. That's the fun of it. It's just, it's like a truck stop bathroom. You just stick your willy in the hole. So Emil was eventually asked to leave for being aggressive and staring too much. Which it's a fucking You gotta be a total piece of shit to be kicked out of a swingers club because there's not a lot of rules. It's basically but, like, you know, have permission and like. But this guy makes it sound like Emil showed up on his own are you supposed to bring a partner i always thought that was like a thing i thought that you had to have a partner to go to a swingers yeah. club like is he just bringing sex workers because or? otherwise a bunch of fucking like solo dudes are gonna yeah. show up and then it's gonna be like <laughs> two women and 16 guys <laughs> no one wants that no you Too many have dicks. to pay for that five months after the fall police still don't have much concrete evidence until forensics come back with some information on the gas pipe First, it was Emil's blood. <gasps> Shock and awe. And second, there's tool marks left on the nut that show it was a tool that they had owned and the nut was not was loosened, not tightened. So obvious trying to cause a gas leak. So let's bring the fuckface in for a third interview. And again, he acts like a total prick. So the cops were like, when was the last time you used your pliers? And he goes, I can't remember. And they asked, well, what did you use them for? He's like, well, if I can't remember when I used them last, why would I remember what yeah, I used them like, on? You've just asked me when was the last time I used it, and now you're asking what for. And when I say I can't remember what I last used them, how can I remember what I used them for? <laughs> Snippy. Like, yeah. I feel like you're not going to use pliers that often. If you don't remember the last time you used them, you could probably guess what you used them for. Yeah, just like, I mean, I was loosening something. I could tell you I used them to, like tighten the nuts on these chairs i don't know when i did it it could have been like two or three four months ago but i know i did that like that's not difficult and they hadn't even lived in the house for that long right 
Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> like, I figured that would be an easy answer. Uh, they ask him about the text messages to Stephanie and why he said he would be more open and spontaneous in April. And his response is, I don't know, but I'm sure you'll tell me. The fuck, man? The fuck? <sighs> Cops love when you're super sarcastic. But it takes 17 months for the Crown Prosecution Service to finally agree the police have enough evidence to charge him with two counts of attempted murder. That seems like such a long time. That newborn baby is now a fucking toddler. <laughs> like, I get it's not straight-up confession, but there's so many of these little pieces. Like, I feel like here, that would be a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of, like... Like, how many coincidences can you have before it's a fucking homicide? Yeah. Like, nobody saw Scott Peterson kill Lacey, but they were still able to convict him. There was enough small little pieces. Yeah, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence that yeah. piles on and makes it fucking murder. Yeah. But I don't know how it works over there. And just the fact he doesn't even deny it. Not no. once has he denied it. Or that he's just, like, you know, committed to her in any way. Yeah. So, yeah, you think the gas leak alone, you could charge him, like, two more times putting the kids in danger, but I don't know. I don't know how it works there. Uh, during the trial, they present not only that he was having all of these affairs, but he was also heavily in debt, and Vicky had a pretty, pretty decent life insurance policy, because, of course. Yeah, just what's murder without money. So, we know he fucked with her parachute, but when would he have been able to do it? The jump was originally planned for that Saturday. Emil offered to get Vicky's parachute for her, for her and then disappeared into the bathroom for either five or ten minutes. There's kind of a disagreement on there. When Vicky had that moment of clarity and told the police about the gas leak, she also mentioned the ten minutes in the bathroom. Later, she'll say it was five minutes, and she only said ten minutes because she was mad at him for the affairs. Which, that doesn't make sense, but whatever. Like, I'm going to add more time that he fucked her out in the bathroom. Show him. Emil says he was only in the bathroom because his daughter needed to use it. And of course, he's such a great dad. He took her. And naturally, he took the cumbersome parachute into the small bathroom because he didn't want to leave it unattended, even though everybody else did that. Yeah. Like, okay, you're going to carry it around with you? <laughs> into a tiny bathroom with a small child? Yeah, yeah no. It's hard enough feeding, fitting an, an adult in a top, like, small child in, yeah. a, in a stall in a bathroom. You have like, to, like, hold them while you're going to the bathroom. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> Try to shimmy to put them down. Yeah, it doesn't work. So once they decided the weather was too bad for anyone to jump, Emil didn't return the parachute kit to the storage like everyone else did. He stashed it in Vicky's locker, which, not at all suspicious. Oh. Put it here where nobody else can touch it. Yeah, I don't want to accidentally like have someone else die. Oh, that'd be insane. So the next day, the weather was still bad with cloud coverage, but by 4 p.m., everyone decided to just do a low-altitude jump. So with this whole story, we learned that Emil had a whole night to think about how he fucked with her parachute. And still went through with it. Yeah. And not only that, he and the two children were present when she jumped. Which is just, like... He stood there with their two kids knowing she's probably going to die. Like, that's so evil. Horrifying. Like, watch mommy fall from the airplane. Yeah. So, prosecution shows how easy it would be for someone to fuck with a parachute in the bathroom stall in five minutes. And then Vicky gets on the stand and refuses to testify against her husband. 
which is just insane she's in absolute denial not only that she says there was nothing wrong with her parachute okay she so says she just cut, fell she said she cut a good parachute hmm. i just i don't get it so yeah she just acts like what the fuck are all these other people looking at like i they don't they don't understand i'm just making all this up like none of this is real and she was the one who messed with the gas pipe she was just trying to get back at a meal like it doesn't explain the text messages between them about like the gas leak but whatever her testimony just shows like how damaged she is by him it's like stockholm syndrome yeah he's he's completely like warped her brain and at the end of the trial the jury can't reach an agreement but at least the police decide to retry him uh this time since they know they don't have vicky on their side they just straight up show the jury all of the text messages of him basically saying i'm gonna be free of my wife i don't give a shit about this woman i'm gonna text all these other women it it had to be a tough decision because then you know you're basically attacking the victim victim in this by letting her read all these messages like that's hard and then the inter- internet search he made before Vicky's jump, Wet Nurse UK. Because they have a five-week-old baby who is still nursing, and his wife's about to die. He has to find a wet nurse to feed this baby. Which is just mind-blowing, because, like, the forethought to be yes. thinking about the fact that, like, I'm, how am I going to feed my baby after my wife's dead? Like, yeah, I'm not feeding this baby. I'm not buying extra formula. That's just expensive, yo. Oh, God, it's so dark. Although I feel like a wet nurse would be more expensive. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, that's somebody he could possibly bang. Ew. <laughs> that's how this guy works. So I think that search is definitely what sealed his Pretty fate. fucking damning. why else would you need a wet nurse? And yet it still took the jury three days to find him guilty of two counts of attempted murder and a lesser offense of endangering life by damaging the gas supply system in his home. The judge sentences him to life, which nothing like it is here. Um, he'll have to serve at least 18 years. It's a very short life. <laughs> so he was sentenced in June of 2018, and Vicky was still standing by him. And as of the airing of this documentary, she was still standing by him. However, at some point over the years, she finally snapped out of it. She eventually asked for a divorce, which, as far as I know, he has not granted. Which, like, what the fuck? You were trying to murder her. The least you could do is divorce her. Doesn't matter. He has to have that hold on her. Um, August 2020, she released a book titled, I Survived, colon, I Married a Charming Man, Then He Tried to Kill Me, A True Story. Yeah, it just gets right to the point. (laughs) It's a long title, but you know what it's going to be about. Uh, last I saw of the tabloids, she's with a new man who she had met at the same parachute club. That's where all these people just meet this parachute club. It's a tight-knit group, I'm telling you. He's a handsome dude, and from the pictures I've seen of him, they look very happy together. But yeah, I'm glad she finally realized what a monster Emil was. And she still goes parachuting. That's brave, but <laughs> at least he's not there to sabotage it. Yeah. So. But yeah, it was interesting documentary. 
It was it was a short one too. Yeah. So it was like what like forty minutes or something. Yeah. Well, it was still when I was like recovering from COVID. I was like, I need something just short to work on. Yeah. Just like, and it was it was interesting. I enjoyed it. It was an interesting case that she. They're telling her, "Hey, this guy is trying to kill you," and she's just like, "No, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think. Yeah, no, somebody else maybe." It was yeah, it was crazy, but yeah, that's just so. Even if she wants to go and marry somebody else, she can't because he refuses to grant her a divorce. I feel like there has to be a way to make that happen. Like he tried to murder her. He's <laughs> yeah. in he's in prison for trying to it murder her. Just, the government should have just automatically given like, a divorce like yeah. not even ask her yeah like, like you'll figure it out yeah like you guys are both divorce like you can't <laughs> you can't like try and murder someone and also still get to be married to them like i had heard she kind of started to when the judge was given the sentence and he was talking about like how he's a horrible person that was kind of when she started was like oh okay, shit this guy is a judge and he's seeing this maybe i'm not seeing the right thing and yeah, like maybe I'm blinded and then by his him in ugly ass love. And yeah, the way he was just treating her when she'd go and visit him, she finally was like, "Yeah, you tried to kill me. I want a divorce." And he's like, "No." Yeah, I, just, like, I feel uh, like that that should be against the law. Like yeah. that's that's not ethical. Yeah, yeah, she's still perishing. That's insane. She's a brave woman, but I mean, the chances of both shoots fucking up again like that's gotta be not possible. Uh, and yeah when I forgot to mention when the cops were like interviewing and stuff he's like well maybe she tried to do like that one other guy did and tried to kill herself like, no I don't think so <laughs> no, <laughs> she, yeah. no reason. she just had that baby yeah like uh seems seems kind of sad. yeah he he knew about that story and was like well maybe this is why she did it and it wasn't me it's like, like mm, maybe you horrible. got the idea because of this guy, and you were like, oh, I can kill her this way, <laughs> since the gas leak didn't work. But yeah, piece of shit. Yeah, he's the worst. I hope they keep him in jail as long as they possibly can. What a bastard. Six kids. <laughs> Ew. That's what I couldn't believe. That's going to do it for this week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at talktomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at talktomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.